Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is Point Gary uh, here. It's Friday, the 3rd of April, and I am at my kitchen table as normal uh, in the continuing uh, COVID-19 lockdown. Scottish football and football across the world, as I've said in earlier broadcasts, is currently uh, on hold. And there are many uh, conspiracy theories around just now about what will happen. And of course, different clubs uh, have different views about what uh, should happen. Uh, yesterday, we saw uh, the Belgian uh, authorities, football authorities, deciding that they would uh, stop the league uh, as it stood, uh, with the championship being handed to uh, Club Bruges, uh, which uh, has gone down not too well uh, with the uh, authorities in UEFA, who have used uh, the words premature and indeed unjustified uh, to describe what uh, the Belgian authorities have done. Uh, I can understand premature if uh, there is still a decision to be made by UEFA. I'm not sure I understand unjustified uh, because there seems to be no clarification of what uh, is meant by the decision being unjustified, given that there is currently no obvious answer coming from the leadership of football in Europe as to what should be done. UEFA, the European Club Association and the European Leagues group met yesterday uh, and dealt with some matters to do with the Champions League and the Europa Cup, I believe, but again uh, seemed to defer any decision on what would happen to the leagues across Europe. There are indications that they want the leagues concluded. That is their uh, preferred option, and they are looking at the months of July and August to do that. Those who have listened to previous broadcasts uh, of mine uh, will refer back to uh, my view that I believe the leagues can be finished, um, given that in Scotland uh, there are eight league games left to be played, and for four clubs, uh, they have an involvement in the Scottish Cup semi-finals. So for two of those clubs, um, uh, there would be an additional two games. Uh, so in total, uh, for uh, in Scotland, there are um, eight, eight league matches and a couple of semi-finals and a final to be undergone. So I believe over a couple of months it could be done. What I'm not understanding, sitting here in early April, is... Um, what we know about the illness, the virus, and how it's going to be lifted and how current lockdown will be backed out of and how life in our country will be reconvened in whatever way, shape or form. And again, football is only part of that, uh, an important part for many, important part indeed for the economy uh, and for people's uh, leisure time, for their mental health perhaps and for the game that um, Scotland purports to love. However, uh, how can UEFA consider July and August could be an option? We don't know. Um, we are talking about being in this position maybe for the next three months, which takes us to the end of June. Now, if that all goes to plan, 
uh, and players are allowed in some way, shape or form to get themselves back to some level of fitness, of course, football games could start in July. But sitting here and listening to the information coming from the medical people across the world, and indeed in this country, it just doesn't seem likely uh, just now. I understand that the SFA uh, chief executive, Ian Maxwell, uh, has been at some stage today involved in a conference call uh, with all the other uh, uh, league uh, uh, participants. And it will be interesting probably either later tonight or certainly uh, through the papers and other media outlets on Saturday, we'll find out something more. But again, uh, we seem to be lacking in leadership. Uh, firm leadership and effective leadership and indeed just leadership uh, just now. So we're no further forward and the option still remain that uh, the league is null and voided. Uh, in Scotland, the league is uh, allocated or awarded, beg your pardon, to Celtic in the, in the Premiership, the United in the Championship and so, forth, so on down the way. And that some form of uh, compromise will be made at the bottom end uh, to negate the likelihood of uh, a relegation in the Premiership for Hearts. Hearts, I, I read today, uh, the players have gone to the trade union to try and sort things out. Uh, that I'm sure will be to do with uh, their future contracts and the like and how that particular club is, is handling things. So, um, I've spoken for five minutes. I, I've said nothing that nobody uh, probably doesn't know about who follows football at all. It's just another day where we stand and uh, look into a ever-decreasing uh, finishing line uh, with no indication of uh, what is going to happen. I trust, I hope, that uh, the meeting which uh, our SFA president, uh, sorry, chief executive, uh, has attended today will show that there is some light at the end of all of this and that a decision may be either forthcoming now or forthcoming relatively soon in the future. Uh, let's all hope that a decision is made and we can get some level of understanding back into the, the game in the country here. And I'll leave you with that. Thank you very much for listening again. And from Point Gary, uh, uh, in my kitchen. I hope you're all keeping safe. I hope you're all well. And we'll speak again soon. Goodbye. Good afternoon. This is Point Gary here. It's Thursday, the 9th of April, 2020. I'm sitting here, as normal, at my kitchen table. I hope those who have heard it... Uh, took something from my first podcast uh, regarding Hamden Park. Uh, this is number two, and it's remembered for me for one very different reason, uh, which I'll come on to. Leading into the 1966 World Cup in England, uh, which Scotland hadn't qualified for, uh, Brazil came to town. Yes, Brazil, uh, and the team included, amongst others, Zito, Jairzinho, Gerson, Amarildo, and of course, the world's best ever footballer, 
Pelly. They trained at Troon Junior's uh, Park uh, in the town down the Ayrshire coast. Brazil training at Troon Junior's Park. Think about it. Then they came to Hamden on Saturday the 25th of June 1966. And when you think back to the crowd I referred to in 1963 uh, for the friendly against Austria, which was just under 95,000, would you believe it? The crowd on a Saturday evening in Glasgow in June to see Brazil was just under 75,000. Interesting to know what had changed, not for the better, in the three years uh, which had gone between. And the Scottish team uh, was quite different again, which is telling us something again, I think, which is what kind of selection process uh, did we go through in these days uh, to pick the teams uh, to play for us? Now, one thing I would say that it was June, and it was probably heading up towards the close season. There may have been some injuries. There may have been other reasons why players uh, uh, weren't available. But I ask you, which Scottish football player of, any, of that type of ability would not want to play against Brazil? We were, in fact, the world champions at the time, having won uh, the World Cup in 62 uh, in South America. So what was a Scottish team? In goal uh, was Bobby Ferguson, of that time of Kilmarnock. He subsequently went on and played for both West Ham United and Sheffield Wednesday. At right back was John Gregg, of Rangers, who was the captain, and John Gregg, in fact, uh, was the man who nearly got us to the 66 World Cup when he scored an absolutely cracking winner uh, against Italy at Hampden Park. Left back was Willie Bell of Leeds United. Right half was Billy Bremner of Leeds United, and more of Billy in a minute or two. Centre half was Ryan McKinnon of Rangers. John Clark was the left half, Celtic player. Outside right was Alex Scott of Everton. He also played uh, prior to Everton for Rangers and subsequently after Everton for Hibs and Falkirk. Inside right was Charlie Cook, who um, at the time of playing, I can't find out whether he was with Dundee or Chelsea, um, but he was with Dundee and he transferred to Chelsea in 1966. So uh, I'm not quite sure which club he was representing when he played uh, in this match. Stevie Chalmers, uh, the man who in a year or so's time won the uh, European Cup for Celtic, um, was at centre-forward. And then we had Jim Baxter, who by this time was playing for Sunderland. And uh, outside him was Peter Cormack, uh, at that time of Hibernian, and had a few clubs subsequently, including Liverpool. So that was the Scottish team. The referee, uh, coincidentally, was the same James Finney, who refereed the match in 1963 against Austria. 
Fortunately, he had no reason to uh, abandon this one. Although, I'll tell you a little story, which is 100% true, um, which caused a bit of a stushy at the time. Anyway, would you believe it? In one minute, Stevie Chalmers scored for Scotland, and in front of that 75,000 uh, crowd, uh, unbelievably, in our first ever meeting with the world champions, Brazil, we were one goal up. However, it couldn't last and uh, the Brazilians equalised in due course. But in a towsy affair, um, the game finished 1-1. Uh, the saddest thing of it all uh, was Billy Bremner's treatment of Pelé. And unfortunately, it was a indicator of things to come when Brazil played down in England in the World Cup when Pelé was effectively kicked out of it um, by uh, the Hungarians uh, and others uh, in their group stage matches. Uh, Billy, I'm afraid, fantastic player as he was, uh, was out of order. Um, this was a friendly match against the greatest team in the world and subsequently in 1970 became the greatest team ever. Uh, but Billy... Um, I don't know under whose instructions, whether it was by the manager of the time or uh, his own, decided to uh, rough Pelly up and uh, he duly did so. Now at this time uh, I was a young man but I was on my own in these days uh, with a pal who I will men mention only, her name only is Tommy because that's what his name, but I won't give you his second name. And we were in the... Um, large old enclosure uh, at Hamden Park, which I think was the north enclosure, right down at the front trying to see our heroes. And I was a great Pelly fan, I was a great Amarildo fan, and Amarildo um, was on the left wing, so I was able for one of the halves to see, uh, see him very, very close. But just before the start of the second half, um, Tommy broke free. Uh, climbed out of the enclosure and hailed across the pitch uh, with pen and uh, autograph book in hand and stopped play uh, while he uh, demanded, asked for and got uh, the signature of Pelé. And he told me when he got back that uh, two things happened out there. Uh, one, Mr Finney uh, was particularly rude to him and also uh, the goal scorer Stevie uh, Chalmers uh, wasn't quite complimentary either um, telling uh, my pal Tommy to um, get lost so there you have it um, I saw the first ever meeting between Scotland and Brazil uh, a one-all draw and again uh, anybody who sees Brazil uh, never forgets it uh, they are just a magnificent set of footballers uh, 1966 wasn't kind to them. Uh, it was won by, I can't remember the team, what team won in 1966, but it wasn't Brazil. Uh, and I, I indeed have never seen Brazil since. Uh, and so I've got that memory and the memory of my good pal Tommy uh, causing a bit of a stir just before the second half kicked off. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I hope you find it a wee bitty thought-provoking about our game in Scotland, why we would lose um, 20,000 supporters 
uh, between 1963 and uh, 1966, uh, given the quality of the opposition uh, we were playing. But there you have it, uh, and uh, as you crack on now to the 2020s, uh, things are quite different again, aren't they? I hope you enjoyed this. This is Point Gary saying cheerio, and goodbye. Bye-bye.